Let's do this. Hey, good morning, Monstropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! So what can I say? The camera loves me. Shall you be After you, Junior. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Multiplex Logged It. Uh, first episode of the year. Happy to be back. Got a fun panel. Mr. Payson Johnson, how are you feeling today? I'm doing great. Not going to lie. It's been a while since I heard that theme, and I was dancing in my room, uh, and that was fun. I could see that backstage, and yeah. it was a sight, ladies and gentlemen. Jack! Jack, the Canadian boy wonder, you're back with us once again. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing really well. Uh, it's been a long day, but I'm uh, I'm just happy to be on back on Logged It and uh, talk movies with people that I really enjoyed hanging out with. So. Aww. That's nice. And Kirk, you're back. Uh, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I mislogged it. Um, had a nice break, but I'm happy to be back uh, on the show, participate in the show, watch the show, whatever. I just like logged it, um, but I'm happy to be here. That is fair. Well, thank you very much. Happy to have you back. Happy to be back. We'll get started with, as always, your favorite movie that you logged this week. So, Payson, we'll start with you. What was your favorite movie you loved this week? And if you want to go back so, a little farther, since it's been so long, it's up to you. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at 2022 right now, and I've logged two five-star movies this year so far. One of them was one I watched for trivia, but I want to talk about a different one. Um, I won't get into super details. You obviously know about this boat. Um... Kirk and Jack may not know. Um, I've been going through a breakup as of recently. Uh, me and my former partner uh, uh, split. And on Valentine's Day, I was feeling kind of down. So I decided to pop on Forgetting Sarah Marshall for the first time. And let me tell you, when you're going through some stuff, this is a movie that is a perfect for that scenario. Um Obviously, I'll just get, get out of the way. The breakup was not as bad as the one that Peter is experiencing in this movie. But there, I did experience a lot of the mental similarities of just feeling down on myself all the time that I saw with Jason Siegel's character. But I think it's really inspiring just to see how he, like, he has this dream of just this wild thing he wants to do. And when he gets out of this relationship, sort of what pushes him to finally... Um, get that motivation to pursue that. Uh, I love the supporting cast. I think Russell Brand, we can talk about his career after this movie. In this movie, he is incredible. He steals every single scene as Aldous Snow. I love Paul Rudd as just this happy-go-lucky surf instructor. I think he's super funny. Bill Hader is underrated in this movie um, as uh, Peter's brother-in-law. I love the scene where, like, Peter is like stalking Sarah and Aldis and you hear um, Bill Hader on the phone and he, he just puts it down. You just hear Bill Hader just screaming, what are you doing? You're a moron on the phone as this is going on. But yeah, I just, this is just a movie that I think just hit me at the perfect point in my life. 
uh, with just something I had not experienced. And I, I think it was super funny and super heartwarming all at the same time. That is fair. Yeah, no, this is a, an excellent film. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but no, I, I really like this one. This is like, I feel like up there with like 500 Days of Summer and just all-time breakup movies. Um, and yeah, this is fantastic. Uh, yeah, Russell Brand, you're right. Like, this is this is one of those types of roles. And I feel like the same thing happened to like Zach Galifianakis and a little bit Melissa McCarthy, where it's just such a star-making performance that then after they just become so oversaturated because that one performance was so good that they're just like, here, play the same character in this movie, in this movie, in this movie. And it ends up killing their careers. McCarthy made it out okay, but for a large part, it ends up killing their careers or at least damaging it. Uh, but yeah, good pick, a good movie. Jack, have you seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? I have, and honestly, I was debating between that and a different movie for my pick, because uh, I also watched The Gang Sarah Marshall for the first time this week. So, uh, yeah, great pick, Payson. I don't know if it's the... Because it, it's either the funniest sad movie I've ever seen or the saddest funny movie I've ever seen. And uh, Siegel's screenplay is fantastic with really fun dialogue. The supporting cast is honestly fantastic i love uh mila kunis in this movie uh i i really like uh oh i can't remember her name uh the good place eleanor uh kristen bell thank you kristen bell she's she's really fun in it but it's uh siegel's performance that's my personal favorite and russell brand you already said it is so good uh so yeah this is this is a really great pick kirk um, yeah, I love, well, first, I, I, I didn't hear, know about Pace's news. I'm sorry to hear that, Pace, and I hope you're doing all right. Um, but, uh, no, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I'm not the biggest rom-com guy in the world, uh, fan in the world, but I really enjoy this because it, it takes so many, like, rom-com tropes and kind of turns them on their head. Like, I love the fact, you know, in, in 99% of movies like this, Russell Brand and Kristen Bell are going to be the villains and they're going to, you're going to hate them. And, you know, I love the fact that like they make, especially Russell Brand, like a likable character. And like, he's, you know, he's kind of scummy for other reasons, but like, he's not out to ruin, you know, Jason uh, Sabella's life or anything like that. He's just like a dumb, a dumb rock star who's kind of like out there and he's kind of a sweet guy and he's got his good points, his bad points. And I love how lived it in the world feels. Like I love the, the community around the hotel and the, um, the people who work there, um, I can't remember the character's name, but the big guy who can name all the fish and, you know, just how, you know, nobody wants to go scuba diving with me. Like, just, you know, just all that, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I love Jack McBriar and his little subplot with his wife. And, the, you know, just so many cool little things like that that, that, that that make this movie, you know, a lot more than some of its parts would make it. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really solid pick. And um, I think it's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Payson. Go, go yeah. ahead. Let me just say, just going on what Kirk was saying, something I love about this movie is all of the main characters at one point experience time in the doghouse in a second. Cause there's a, there's a point in the movie where Jason Siegel was like, how could you have broken up with me? And Sarah was like, are, are you kidding? I tried to give you so many chances. There was a week where you just wore nothing but sweatpants all the time. And it's like crud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there one thing I want to quick mention before uh, we move on is I actually saw this on Twitter today where apparently Judd Apatow, uh, when Siegel pitched him this movie, 
told Jason Siegel, don't write a comedy. You already see the world in a funny way, so write a drama so that people will be invested and the jokes will come naturally to you. And that makes a whole lot of sense, and I think it worked out really well. So now, uh, Jack, we'll move on to you. What was your favorite movie you loved this week? Yeah, uh, it's it was between uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and the one I'm for sure now going with, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Uh, I watched this a few days ago, and then immediately after, I watched Brink of Life, which that was a insane uh, back-to-back watch. But no, this movie's fantastic. Uh, all four of the lead performances are incredible and absolutely deserving of their Oscar nominations and wins. Uh, I'd say I haven't seen a whole lot from 66, but I'm working on that. Uh, but Elizabeth Taylor, holy she's incredible in this movie uh just what you you're just watching a marriage just disintegrate for two hours and it's horrifying and uncomfortable and I, you just can't look away it's like a car accident you just can't look away from it even though you want to so badly uh really powerful film and yeah one that i shouldn't <laughs> rewatch, but because I'm me, I feel like I will see it pretty soon again. Well, here's the thing. I think that while this movie is certainly intense, it is, it's weirdly entertaining. Like, in a way that you wouldn't expect a movie with this subject matter to be. But I think that's kind of the kicker. There's there's such a sick level of anxiety to this movie. It's like a car crash you can't look away from. And I, I think that kind of just feeling of being trapped in this situation is what, weirdly what makes it so watchable. I've seen this multiple times, and I probably will watch this again because it, it is weirdly rewatchable. And, like, I also think it's, like, it's funny but in an uncomfortable way. Like, there are multiple times where you're laughing, but it's more just out of the – unbelievable awkwardness of this situation because you you do feel for this young couple who is just <laughs> watching Brendan Taylor just go at it and it, it is so funny but it, it's hilarious especially when you add the added thing of oh yeah Burton and Taylor aren't acting that hard like yes they're giving incredible performances but it's like you get the sense that this is stuff they wanted to say to each other for a while. Uh, but yeah, this is an excellent film. Kirk, thoughts on his afraid of Virginia Woolf? No, that's another great pick. I love this movie. Um, yeah, Taylor and Burton are so good in this. Um, and I was going to say the same thing you were, but like, there's just a lot of like kind of like meta things going on here where you know art's kind of imitating life. And um, if you're if you come from like any kind of like dysfunction in your home when you're growing up. Um, at least for me, maybe I'm a weirdo, but I feel like when you see fights like this, there is a point where it becomes, if not humorous, at least farcical, and you can kind of laugh at it. And um, I and I, I identify that you know, watching those, you know, like you said, that, that young couple just sit there and kind of trapped, having to sit there and watch this happen. Um, 
I really identified with them. And like, you do see like the pathos and the pain and the suffering, but also like the humor to it. And just the, the just the ridiculous to it. I think they're both so great at like hitting every level of you know that just that battle in their relationship. You see the whole marriage in one night, basically. And I think they do so great job. So, yeah, um, I agree with you. Like I've seen it once, um, but it's something definitely I'd like to watch again. I think it's it's a it's a great movie. Uh, Payson, this is like top five favorite movies I've ever watched for trivia. Like I adore this film and yeah, like everyone said, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, just as you watch the movie go on, their characters are getting more and more like drunk as they keep on drinking and they just, you just see more and more stuff start to come out to the point where it's just so uncomfortable, but it's like a car crash where you can't help but keep watching. Um, I, some people may know this, some people may not. Um, I watched this movie after I had watched The Office and knowing that when Greg Daniels was writing the Dinner Party episode, this is the movie he was taking such heavy inspiration from makes so much sense. And, and that's like like top two or three episodes of The Office. So like, yeah. Yeah, all, all Richard Burton needed was a tiny little TV to pull out and just be like, <laughs> finally got a fl- finally broke down and got a flat screen. I have reversed my vasectomy three times. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> when I wanted to see Stomp and you wanted to see Wicked, what did we see? <laughs> but yeah, no, great pick, fantastic pick, Jack. We're gonna go to me next. Uh, I we we've kind of had a pattern of movies that Kirk will be happy about. This is another one. Uh, Wings of Desire was great wings of desire uh for those who don't know i'm trying to like broaden my horizons a little bit this year i made a list of 100 movies uh a lot of them foreign films not all but a lot of them foreign language films and just a bunch of movies that's like these are blind spots these are movies they should have seen by now i'm watching all these wings of desire was one of those this is excellent uh for those who don't know this is basically like what the Nicolas Cage movie City of Angels is a remake of this. It is nothing like the Nicolas Cage movie City of Angels, though, beyond just the very basic premise. Uh, and even then, the the actual plot of this movie doesn't really stop start happening until the last half hour. Uh, a lot of this movie is just kind of these angels just looking in at these different moments of humanity and I think it's really fascinating. And Kirk's Kirk's going to shout him out, too, because I know Kirk loves this guy, too. But Peter Falk is so charming in this. This is maybe one of, if not the best example of an actor playing himself. Because Peter Falk plays himself in this movie. And he is great. And they give him, like, basically one of the big emotional moments of the movie despite the fact that he's playing himself. And it's not like a one-off jokey thing. Like, it's a genuine, like, role. It's just, this is Peter Falk. And it, he is fantastic. Bruno Gans is the main character. It's the same guy that played uh, Hitler in Downfall. And he's great. Some of the best cinematography I've ever seen. There's a real, like, floating, nonchalant nature to it that kind of just fits that vibe. And Fantastic film. Highly recommend. Peyton, have you seen this? I have not, but hearing your glowing recommendation 
put it high on my watch list. You will really like this. Nice. Jack, have you seen this? I haven't, but echo what Payson said. I want to watch this now. And Kirk, I know you've seen this. Yeah, absolutely. This is great. Um, yeah, I have. I've only seen a few Wim Wenders movies, um, but I definitely want to get to him more because he just affected this and um, Paris, Texas, the other one, and both very different movies and both very beautiful movies in different ways. But uh, yeah, I love this. It's a very German movie, um, but also at the same time, like it has like this like life and this vibrancy and this optimism that you don't necessarily think of when you think of German cinema. Um, but it really combines like the old, like almost like has like almost like that old expressionist feel to it with like, you know, a lot of more modern ideas. And uh, yeah, Br uh, Bruno Gans is great. Peter Falk, um, he plays himself and I won't spoil it, but what they, the turn his character takes is so fantastic. And um, it, it just comes out of nowhere. Just the idea that they would just take a real guy and do that with him is, is so awesome. Um, so yeah, this is, I cannot recommend this one highly enough. Yeah, excellent film. And Kirk, that brings us over to you. What is your pick of your favorite movie to watch? Okay, I'm going to go back a little further because we have been on a hiatus. And I've been watching a lot of 2022 movies. I don't want to spoil any of those for the uh, main conversation. Um, yeah, I liked all your movies. I don't know if you guys have seen this or if you did, if you liked it. Um, I went and saw Infinity Pool, um, the new Brandon Cronenberg uh, movie. And I wasn't sure, like, I'm hit or miss on, you know, David Cronenberg. Um, I've the only other movie I've seen for, from uh, Brandon is Possessor, and I liked it, so I'm like, I'll check this out, and I really enjoyed it. Um, basically, it's uh, the the main character James. He's like somebody. Else. He's like, he's like a character out of an F. Scott Fitzgerald story. Like he's just this rich guy who's like you know just swimming in his own like inadequacies and his own failures, like forced to come deal with it. He's surrounded by all these rich people. And then you add that Cronenberg element to it with like, just like the freakishness and the body horror. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, it's a really like interesting, I don't know, fun's the right word, but it's a really cool like twist on that kind of like, just, I said my review of all like the rich people suck movies that came out over the past year. This one's my favorite. Doesn't like address as directly as some of the other ones do, um, but it has a lot that you know makes a lot of points towards that, and it just really the, the tone of it is fantastic. Uh, Mia Goss in it, and you know she's just continued her streak of just killing it in horror, these like modern horror movies. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's a lot of like very Cronenbergian stuff in there. That's what I, the thing I love about Brandon Cronenberg is like he's like no does not care about following his father's footsteps. He's like, not trying to break that cycle at all. He's like, yeah, these are the movies that I'm going to make. I like them. And that's, I'm going to be like my dad. That's fine. Um, because they do have the, the very much the same kind of tone and feel. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I know it's probably not going to be for everybody, but I really enjoyed it. I have not seen this and I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you will correct me, Kirk. I feel like this is not a Boatman movie. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Payson, have you seen this yet? I have, and unfortunately, Kirk says it's not going to be for everyone. It was just not for me. Um, I appreciate that Brandon Cronenberg was just going at, for it in terms of the tone and in terms of the nature of just the gruesomeness of this movie, but just a lot of it just didn't really stick with me or connect with me. Like, I felt like I was just looking at visuals, and at one point I just had to say, like, like I hate to be this guy, but I just had to be like, okay, what's the point? Because I'm just not that invested. Um, there's a lot of fluids. So if, just to give Bo a warning, there's a lot of fluids. So careful about that. Uh, what I will say is Mia Goth is once again just proving 
she is phenomenal at just playing insane characters. Like, there is a scene where she is on the hood of a car, and it is a very, very funny scene, and the easily the best scene of the movie for me. But yeah, I just unfortunately wasn't that big a fan. Uh, Jack, have you seen this? I haven't gotten around to it yet, but Mia Goth is in it, so it's only a matter of time until I see it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Seems that like is fair. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of our favorite movies from this week. We got to go to the other side of the coin. Your least favorite movies. Uh, Payson, we'll start back with you. I want to praise a man on this call. Okay. That man is Kurt Kowalkowski. In fact, uh, in fact, can we can we can we full screen Kirk for a second? We're gonna we're gonna have a circle of praise for a second. What? This has not happened oh. nearly enough. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Yes. Kirk, you are a beautiful man. I love you. Now, why am I showering you with this much praise? Because uh -oh. when we played, you, me, Bar, and David back in October, and you put Pacino on the wheel, you very much put pre-2010 Al Pacino. Uh, I played two chuckleheads earlier this year. Their names were Matt Quaylar and Nazario Montenegro. They put Adam Sandler on the wheel. And Adam Sandler and Al Pacino did a movie together in 2011. This movie's called Jack and Jill. What a sack of shit. <laughs> What's the most cheap, lazy comedy you can think of? Just Adam Sandler in drag, barely changing his voice. Just the whole joke is, oh, look, he's a woman. And he gets movies where he's like, what's that one movie where Leonardo DiCaprio was on the boat and hits the iceberg? Titanic? No, the other movie, not that movie. It's like, and they do this joke like three times. Like at one point it's like, what's that one movie where Marlon Brando's got the cotton balls and he's in offer? He can't refuse on the Godfather. No, not that movie. And just... Pretty sure that's the island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> oh yes, island of Dr. Moreau. Um, it 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 looks like a commercial, like all of other, like all the other Happy Madison movies. I, I, people will praise Pacino. Like, uh, okay, I I should say praise. People will give Pacino props in this movie for being funny. I think he's funny, maybe in like two minute long YouTube clips. I think in the movie in general, I it just doesn't work for me like at all. Uh, none of the jokes were funny. The the final clip with Dunkachino does not work in context of this movie. Yeah, what can I even say about the story? It's just dumb. Like I I, I give few half stars away, and I gave it was this movie. I was between this movie and another movie. And I didn't want to fight people tonight, so I decided to go with this one. Just what a pile of garbage this movie is. Yeah, uh, look, this movie is terrible. It is objectively awful, atrocious. Are there one or two things that I can find some ironic enjoyment out of? Yes, I can get ironic enjoyment. Don Cucino will always be embedded into my brain, even though it's, it is worse in context. Um, I also think, genuinely, the one actually good joke in this movie is Jill breaks Al Pacino's Oscar. If I hadn't had that spoiled, I'd give it to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll give Jill you that. breaks Al Pacino's Oscar and said, says, oh, I'm sure you have others. And then Al Pacino says, you think it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
It's actually funny. But yeah, other than that, this movie's atrocious. It's it's terrible. Uh, Kirk, you mentioned um, you use pre twenty ten Al Pacino partially to avoid this movie. Yeah, probably. yeah. There there there's a reason why I use that. <laughs> um, there are very few Pacino movies I haven't seen yet, and um, obviously I want to get there at some point. But I'm putting this one off as long as I can. Um, I watched like the first 10, 15 minutes of it once, and I could not do it. When they had like that that the, that one scene that was just like an extended Pepto Bismo commercial, I'm like, oh I'm out. Um, but if you ever, I, I, I strongly suggest, um, Pace, you probably enjoy this. Red Letter Media did a review of this movie, which is basically a two part expose, like calling out, uh, Adam Sandler for basically being like a, like defrauding the, uh, movie studio for uh, making this movie and like basically comparing the budget to what is actually in the movie. Um, it's really fascinating. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. That is fair. Uh, Jack, this movie. I haven't seen this one. I am putting it off as long as I possibly can. Uh, yeah, no, I just haven't seen it. No desire to see it. That is fair. Uh, well, now we'll go over We'll go over to me. Um, I, I'm working on a project. I won't say exactly what that is yet, but I'm working with, uh, for something over at the video store. And I was required to watch a certain movie for this project. This is a notoriously bad movie. 1994's North. Uh, this movie is quite bad. Quite awful. Uh, I will say, first 20, 30 minutes of this movie, maybe first 20 minutes of this movie, I was like, I don't get it. Because I, I had heard this movie was just atrocious. And I watched the first 20 minutes, like, this isn't anything good, but, like, I don't know, get it. And then Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre show up. <laughs> the movie just keeps getting bad from there. Like, this whole movie is just Elijah Wood hopping from stereotyped location to stereotyped location with no purpose. Uh, just awful, awful humor. Like, Stuff a third grader would come up with. Kind a little bit racist. Uh Kathy Bates, oof ba boof. Um, yeah. This and then Bruce Willis. I have no idea what this guy's doing in this movie. This man opens the film in a bunny suit. It, this movie is actively bad. Um Shake Marangoni. He might love it. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, yeah, this could be the Donnie Darko prequel. Yeah. <laughs> that would actually, that could work. <laughs> but no, uh, this, this is bad. This is quite bad. I understand why it killed Rob Reiner's career, basically. Uh, and like, it was going so well. What? It was going so well. It really was. Like, this is the end of one of the greatest runs of a director ever. Like, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, and then he just drops this turd on us. And uh, I'm upset. Uh, Kirk, what, have you seen this film? I have not, because I've heard how bad it is. But weirdly, it's like so many of these movies, like famously bad movies, especially from this era, 
at some point you hear like, oh yeah, it's ironically good. It's ironically fun to watch or whatever. Never hear about that, you know, about North. You never hear like anybody, you know, you never get on Twitter and be like, here, you know, 10 reasons why North is actually great. You know, you never get that. Like nobody even tries to save this movie. So um, I really, I'm, I'm just assuming it's as bad as everybody tells me and I'll probably just leave it alone. Jack, have you seen North? No, I haven't. I've heard nothing but terrible, terrible things about this movie. And as someone who really likes every single one of those Rob Reiner movies that I've seen, uh, I've been avoiding this one. I think I'm only missing Misery from that five movie run. If I'm remembering On a scale from one to ten, how respectful is this movie's portrayal of the Inuit people? Zero. <laughs> I, I have not seen it. Abe Vigoda gets sent out on an ice, like on an ice thing, like a patch of ice. Not well watching TV. It's bad. Wait, Abe gonna gonna play as an Inuit in this? Yes. <laughs> Abe Vigoda, and so does Kathy Bates. He has a really weird string of played like indigenous people because this and Joe versus Volcano, like just an odd career, you know, era Kirk, for him. Do you know who plays North's parents in this movie? Oh no. It's not Bruce Willis? It's not his dad? No, no. No, who? It's Jason Alexander and Julia Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. <laughs> it's 94, so it's like peak Seinfeld. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm doing the math there. Like, this is like right in the middle of it. Yeah. It's like right at probably like the height of Seinfeld's popularity. That is crazy. <laughs> it is so random. Very bad. Very bad. And yeah. Uh, Payson, you already talked about it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, now we will go on to Kirk. Kirk, what's your least favorite movie you love this week? Um, I'll be basic, and I will go with um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, I'm not going to crap all over this movie. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, it's not the worst Marvel movie I've seen in the past 12 months. Um, there have been worse. Um, but it's just getting to the point where, like, it just, you know, these movies used to be events. You used to get excited about them. And now it's just, you know, I said, these movies aren't theme park rides. They're like a sketch of a theme park ride that someone shows you to get you excited about the theme park ride they're going to build in five years. Um, this is, you know, if you if you want to see this movie, go ahead. You won't be miserable the whole time. If you don't want to see it, Kang's here now. That's all you really need to know. And you're, you're set. Um I, I hate, I really hate the multiverse because the MCU, like, there was no, like, consequences to anything to begin with. And now that there's just unlimited versions of every character, uh, there's even less consequence. And even the third act, I won't spoil, but there's something at the, towards the end of this movie that's something that happens and a decision is made. And it seems like it's, you think for a second, it's going to have some level of permanence to it. And you're like, oh, that's that's a choice. That's that's interesting to see where the story is going to go from here. And nope, five seconds later, they just undo it because why would there be any consequences to any decisions people make in these movies? 
Um, so again, like I said, I'm not going to tell you don't go see it. You'll hate it, especially if you like MCU. You'll probably, you know, get a kick out of it. But I'm just the 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 creativity of these movies is really just not what it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. How bad does Modoc look? I haven't seen it yet, but like, how awful? I've heard it's bad, but I've also heard that it's not as bad in context. When he's in full Modoc form, he looks mm-hmm. great. He looks very comic comics accurate. Okay. Um, when he's the other character that Mo- that became Modoc, he looks pretty bad. Okay, that is fair. Um, Jack, have you seen this yet? I have. Uh, I saw it with my family, and I I enjoyed it for the most part. There's some issues I have with it, specifically what Kirk had mentioned about the uh, the thing that happens in the third act that they immediately undo. I was a little bummed uh, that they uh, didn't stick to that. Thought that would have been interesting. Uh, some really terrible lines, uh, especially uh, surrounding Modoc. There's some uh, scenes that are just absolutely cringeworthy. I'm going to defend the design for Modoc for a second because there is no good way to make that. There is no way to make that look good in live action. Uh, just uh, that character. So I feel like they did as close to the best that they could have with that uh, character's design, but uh, uh, for the most part, it still looks a little rough and it's quite jarring every time it shows up on screen. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I will say I do really like Jonathan Majors as Kang. He's, uh, he just makes any character he plays better, it seems. Uh, what could have been a really generic role in like uh in a, what looked like from the marketing a really generic movie last year uh devotion uh he brings that role home and like it kills it in that movie and so he's just a really interesting actor to watch and i'm excited to see him in creed 3 but that mid-credit scene was a lot of fun with uh i'm not going to spoil uh, anything for those that haven't seen it but that i i did enjoy that mid-credit scene quite a bit <laughs> To be fair, I will say too that um, Jonathan Majors is good. I, I'm the jury's out for me as far as the character of Kang, and like That's what he's going to be going forward. But Jonathan Majors was killed the role. Oh, that is fair. Payson, thoughts yeah. on that? Uh, me and Albert talked about this uh, yesterday on Cinemasters Reviews, which you can watch every Monday at ABST <laughs> on the video store. But um, overall, I mainly just thought I I I overall enjoyed it. But I think what Kirk said is true. I think for me, just the magic of the MCU is just starting to dwindle away. And I, it, it just makes me sad because I think to like, to me, like the golden era was like 2014 to 2016 and where like they felt like events. And this one to me, it, it really does just feel like an, an episode of a TV show to get you excited for the next one which I don't want with my movies. I want a movie when I go to see a movie. Um, like uh, Kirk and Jack said, Jonathan Majors is fantastic as uh, the character of Kang. He honestly feels like he's in a different movie, but in a vacuum, I do think he is great. Um, Jack, I got to push back a little on what you said about MODOK, where you said this is a, this is a character that's almost impossible to portray, which, fine, I agree. Either A, find a way, or B, do a completely different adaptation. Because 
I it, this is a movie and yeah. This is fair. That is fair. Mm-hmm. Well, uh now we go over to Jack. Jack, what is your least favorite movie you log this week? I'm gonna go back a little further than a week. Uh cause uh, I didn't dislike a single movie I saw this week. I think the lowest I gave a movie was like three and a half stars, and I still quite enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to pick a movie that is possibly the worst movie I've seen, bar none. Uh, I watched three movies uh, in the VHS franchise uh, recently, and uh, good lord, did I hate VHS Viral. Holy shit. Okay. Look. The first two, I don't I, I don't care. Uh they're not movies for me, but I can kind of see what they're going for. Uh VHS viral loses any respect I have for the first two. Uh all three of the tapes in that movie are utter shit. The the connecting storyline that it keeps cutting back to between the tapes has nothing to do with the actual tapes that are being shown. Uh, And until suddenly with five minutes left in the movie, maybe, maybe five minutes left, they decide, yeah, we should probably tie this into what... Wait. (laughs) I'm sorry, Cam. I'm sorry. Uh, But they're trying... They try to tie it in at the last second and it doesn't work there is not a single good performance in the movie. The best tape I can think of in that one is Parallel Monsters. And even then, I hated it every second of it. It just was not for me. And I'm sorry, you have set up one rule for your franchise. And you shatter it in the first tape uh, in Dante the Great, where it's not even shot like uh, on... It, it's shot like an actual movie, not just on like... Uh, security cameras or handheld camcorders or anything like that or phones which they have a lot they do record quite a bit on uh phones in this one and i i i I just i was done from that point i can't ever see myself revisiting this movie it was nothing but just (laughs) hatred i was screaming at my computer watching this movie and that's not something you do often (laughs) Yeah, uh, I haven't seen this, and I don't want to. Uh, Payson, have you seen this? I have not seen it either, and vote. Are, are we allowed to reveal why Jack watched it? Uh, let's not. Okay. I have not seen it. Um, yeah, I had to watch it for a similar reason, and... I'm actually looking for, like, I was trying to find my trivia notes because I want to see, I don't, these movies kind of blend together for me. Um, but when I saw Jack logging them, my, my heart started to sink for him because I knew the, the suffering he was going through. Um, the first two aren't bad. They're kind of hit or miss. I mean, they're anthologies, so, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get a mixed bag. But this one is just, a, like, like Jack said, like, they were just completely out of ideas. They weren't even trying to be the thing i mean the, the thing that was cool about the the first two is that the the, the gimmick was you know how it, it was all held together and this one it completely falls apart it doesn't make any sense the the the, the framing story makes no sense um none of the anthology stories are good 
Um, I don't mind the, the first one, the, 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 the Antoine the Great is probably my, my favorite of the three. Um, but like Jack said, like they blow it with the way it's, it's made. It doesn't make sense with the context of the film. Um, so yeah, not good. I agree with Jack. I'm sorry. I watch it. That is fair. Well, now we're getting to the meat and potatoes of the show. It's 2022 movies, uh, and this should be a fun topic. Best movies of the last year. I'm going to go first, and I am going with I, I I'm going with my favorite movie of last year. I'm going with the very obvious pick of the same. Uh, I watched this again this week. Uh, if we were talking favorite movie I logged last week, and I included rewatches, this would be it. Uh, I love the Fablemans. I, I just adore everything about this movie. Just that it is. This movie hits me really hard in a lot of ways. Um, I think Gabriel LaBelle is fantastic in this. So many of his deliveries just like still like stick in your head. Uh, Paul, I really like Paul Dano in this. It, it's a really different performance, especially when I heard he was cast. I was like, okay. He's going to be good, but it's going to get, like, intense towards the end. And it does, but not in the way that you would expect from Paul Dano. And it's a really restrained performance from him in a good way. And I think he's really good. I really like Michelle Williams in this. I I think she has – she's playing a character we've seen before, but I don't think – I haven't seen it in this exact way. And I think it's really interesting, especially the lens of the film being viewed in. Seth Rogen proves that he's a really good dramatic actor um, between this and Steve Jobs. I think he's actually really good. Judd Hirsch is good in his one scene, though. I don't know if he should have been nominated. And, man, maybe one of my favorite endings and final shots ever. Like, all-time final shot in a movie for me. Just incredible. Love it. My second favorite Spielberg, I realized. Like, on second watch, like, this is my number two in my Spielberg ranking. I love it. I don't. I don't know if everyone will have the exact same love that I do for it, but I, I most people seem to agree it's at least really good. Uh, Payson, thoughts on the table? Yeah, I adored this film just like just as you did. This is in my top five favorite movies of the year. Just if 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 you have a love for film and just have a love for like the craft and like what not just like the craft of movies i'm not even gonna get into that just what movies can mean to someone i i i can't see this movie not hitting you i think the second i realized this movie was going to be special was where in the first scene it's sammy and his parents going to see a movie and normally and at first sammy's like really scared to be going in and you have Michelle Williams saying, like, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. Movies are dreams. And most movies would uh, have that. Um, uh, they would watch the movie. He would come out, and he would just be so inspired. This movie, I think what makes it special is he comes out, and he is, like, traumatized at what he just saw. And that was the moment when I realized, okay, this is not going to be, like, this is not just going to be, like, a nor like a normal everyday movie I saw. Uh, I think the second half, when we get to California – Everything with the high school, I think, is perfect. Um, uh, the the scene that I don't think enough people are talking about, there's a scene where Sammy is talking with one of his high school bullies. And I just, it's it's one of my favorite scenes of the year. Like, But like you said, the best scene, I think, is the ending with, um, I, can we say it at this point? 
or should we? Let's, let's, let's just call him the director. Yeah, the director. with the director, I, I think is incredible. Paul Dano is easily my favorite performance of the movie. I think his character is excellent. Gabriel LaBelle, like you said, people are not talking about him enough. And I think he just ha carries so much of the movie like on his shoulders. Um, and yeah, a good Arizona portrayal. Yeah, uh, Jack. I, I yeah. love this. Movie. Yeah, this is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, there's movies that uh, that every so often a movie comes along that just reminds you why you fell in love with movies in the first place, and th that's what The Fablemans is for me. Uh, it captures that same uh, feeling that uh, like. Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, or Jurassic Park uh, captured uh, when I was younger. And Spielberg's been my favorite director for as long as I can remember. It's So seeing this movie on the big screen in an unfortunately empty theater, uh, I was the only person there. It was, it was an incredible moment. Uh, I have been wanting to rewatch it. Ever since, I haven't gotten the opportunity, but this movie has lived in my mind since I saw it. That dancing in the headlight scene is still mesmerizing. Uh, I, yeah, I, I love this movie so much. If you didn't pick it for some unknown reason, and if pacing got hit in the head and didn't pick it, then uh, I, I, I probably would have picked it. I wasn't going to. Pick it. Oh, wait, yeah, no, you wouldn't have picked it anyway. That's what yeah, you know what I'm going to pick. You know what you're going to pick. Kirk, that's my. Um, I like this movie. Um, I didn't love it as much as you guys did. Um, I thought it was really good. The filmmaking stuff was great. Like Pazer said, just that um, that early part where he's he watches the movie and then he's like processing it. And he processes it by like recreating it. And I think that's such like a cool Spielberg thing because if you watch like Indiana Jones, he's just recreating like the serials he watched when he was a kid. You know, so it's like. I think that's just like a really cool thing to show at the, like the genesis of his filmmaking life. Um, so I liked, I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed all the stuff about him. The high school stuff was really good. Um, for me, the acting was maybe the weakest part. Um, I don't think Dana was bad. I just felt he was a little miscast. Um, I, I did not like Michelle Williams in this. I disagree with Boatman on this a little bit where I think like she's very, she's playing like the very broad, like, mentally ill mother housewife type character um so that stuff for me was where the movie except for i mean obviously judd hirsch is great his little his little moment but for that the, the family stuff was like the weakest stuff for me um but a lot of great stuff i got to go to the uh symphony this weekend they did a, a john williams uh, uh performance and they played the piano theme from this so that really made me like uh appreciate the the score from the level obviously i appreciate all his scores more after watch that but i really appreciate the score more after listening to that but um yeah, the ending that that the uh, cameo at the end is one of the all-time great one-scene cameos. So yeah, lots of love here. Um, and but I just like I said, there's a couple of things that kept me from really loving it. That is fair. Uh, well, now uh, Payson, over to you for your first 2022 pick. Look, every new discovery is just a reminder we're all small and stupid. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is my pick. Um, if anyone knows anything about me, I think they know how much this movie has uh, meant to me throughout the past year. Um, there are so many reasons as to why I love this movie. I, I love how we were just talking earlier in the show about a movie that um, just 
doesn't use the idea of a multiverse well, like, at all, while I think this movie does it perfectly, um, with all the different ways you see, uh, with Evelyn and, uh, Waymond, um, I love the way this movie is edited, I think is spectacular, um, the costume designs I think is, uh, incredible, um, I, just, all the big ideas this movie has about how just limitless this world is, I think is phenomenal, but the reason this movie means so much to me is because at the heart of it, you have just an incredible story about family. Um, as uh, I'm, I'm in my mid twenties right now, and I'm kind of at that point where I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to reconnect with my, with both my parents and my brother again. And this is a movie that just hits me in all the scenes where you had Michelle Yeoh and Stephanie Sue together. And um, one of my favorite, one of my new favorite scenes of all time which is uh, Wayne, uh, Evelyn realizing how much Wayman truly means to her through the montage of just seeing them going to China and, and them going to America, opening the laundromat, and just seeing how happy he was. Uh, K.U. Kwan is my favorite part of this movie. I think him playing both the regular Wayman, who I, I, I don't want to say clueless, but just like overly optimistic and overly nice to a fault, and then just um, the Alpha Wayman, who is just this insane, like, genius-level fighter. Um, just seeing him go back and forth between those characters, I think, is incredible. Uh, yeah, this is just a movie that has meant so much to me. It's cr- it's climbed my way, and it's climbed its way into my top ten movies of the year. There are so many moments that hit me so hard. I've, I've talked about it a, a million times. I'm probably going to talk about it a million more. But, yeah, this this is my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, on second watch of this movie, I appreciated Quan's performance way more. Because I realized how hard of a job he actually has in this movie. Because like you say, he has to play both those. And then he also has to play the uh, the timeline when they're... Basically, basically the in-the-mood-for-love timeline. Yes. Um, that, that part, like where he gets a line that Garth brought it up. Great line. Everyone talks about it. But yeah, like he has such a hard job in this movie because he had, like everyone has to play different variations on characters, but I think he has the toughest job because his two characters just like Alpha Waymond and regular Waymond could not be more different. Like just, and he changes like everything about like posture and just, it's it's such two different performances, but both are great, and both just feel like their own unique, fully fledged characters. Um, yeah, it's excellent. The movie itself is just, I think, really unique and creative and inventive, and I, I really like all of the things it does. Uh, this is the only movie that plays the song Story of a Girl by Nine Days three different times in three different alternate covers. And um, I, I think that it, all movies should have their own alternate cover of Story of a Girl by the band Nine Days. That's just the thing all movies should have. Um, but yeah, uh, Jack, I can't remember. Did you actually end up watching this movie now or did you follow Oh, I, I saw it uh, 
months ago with Holzman and Matthew. And Ma Matthew one night asked me, hey, Jack, have you seen everything everywhere yet? And I said, uh, no, not yet. Uh, I'm sorry, Payson. Uh, the one the one day I was I had an opportunity to see it in, in the theater. I had a really high fever and had to stay home. <laughs> So, that's not why I'm rolling. I just I know. I I, I know it's the watching. Not watching it at home. <laughs> I, I know it's the watching on call thing. Uh but like yeah. Uh and I was blown away by what I saw. It's one that I have somewhere on my Blu-ray shelf and I want to rewatch it. I just have to find the time for it. But Quan is incredible. I can't complain when he wins the Oscar. Uh honestly. Michelle Yeoh is phenomenal and like really close with Blanchett for me, but uh, no, it's it's a fantastic film and I can't wait to rewatch it. That is fair, Kirk. What are your thoughts on this? Um, this is another one I really liked. Um, I think it's it's good. I love like how Pace alluded to the way they use the multiverse concept, this very you know infinite concept to explore these extremely small lives. And um, I just love the way how it balances like the realism of that scene where she's like, it was a mistake to come with you. I shouldn't have done it. My life would have been so much better without you. And like, that's so heartbreaking and devastating, but just where the movie, like how the movie itself, the story and those characters recover from that moment. And, you know, like kind of heal from that is, is, is so great. Um, the humor, yeah, I think, is kind of doesn't all land for me. Like the sex toy gags and the hot dog fingers, like that stuff for me is like, okay, whatever. Um, but uh, a, a lot of like, I, I just love the, 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 the I remember the first, when I went to see this in the theaters, the scene where he's uh, doing the paper, the paper cuts between oh. the, the fingers like i've never like i've seen like the most gruesome horror movies in the theaters i've oh, never definitely. seen a, a crowd because i saw this in the packed theater i've never seen a crowd just cringe and just freak just the, just the reaction to that as he's cutting his fingers like that yeah. but i love the like the little like gags like that like different ways they had to like swap universes and the, the way they found stuff um no there's a lot, a lot of great things about it. again this is the one i didn't love as long as, as as much as other people did, um, but I really I, I think it's a good movie. That is fair. Yeah, just you bring up that scene again made me like cringe thinking about it. When it's you see Jamie Lee Curtis's trophies in the background, and the first time you're like, "Why are they shaped?" And then you get to the point, and you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> check off sex yep. toy. Yes, check off sex toy. Hey, well, Jack, we're gonna go over to you. What is your first pick? All right. Well, no, no. I'm I'm gonna go with a movie that I haven't previously talked about uh, on Logged It before, and uh, we've talked about her already uh, tonight uh, with, with Infinity Pool. But I'm gonna bring up Mia Goth again for Pearl. Uh, Pearl is one of my favorite films of the year, and it's easily Mia Goth is easily giving my favorite performance of. The year in this that uh this is a completely different movie to x just uh the, it follows the, the the same character uh in a sense from x uh one of the characters from x this is her origin story and 
it's completely different tonally. It's not a slasher. It's more of a character study. And Mia Goth is giving a hell of a performance. Uh, everything from uh, from the opening scene of this movie to that fucking perfect eight-minute monologue that doesn't break away from her at all. It's It's just one of the most captivating performances i've seen in a long time and the movie itself is great shot beautifully uh i can't remember if i think it was tyler bates who did the score for this movie uh great really solid score ty west direction is awesome but good lord i can't talk about enough about the performances it's the thing that really drives this movie home uh for me and i want to see it again i've only seen it twice but i want to see it again i still haven't seen this one i wasn't super big on x though i respected what it was going for i just wasn't for me um i'm i'm curious about this one because the way people talk about it is interesting um payson have you i i know you've seen this yeah I've, i've seen it i really liked it uh like jack said mia goth is the reason to watch this movie i think the character transformation of where pearl is at the beginning of the movie to where she is at the end I think is excellent. Um, yeah, like you said, that monologue towards the end is one of the movie scenes, like one of the scenes of the year. And regardless of your opinion on the movie, if that doesn't just hit you, I don't know what will. Um, I personally preferred X a little more just because I love just the time period and like just the content of it uh, a bit more, which I'm so excited for Maxine, the third movie. But I still think Pearl is really, really good. And yeah. That is fair, Kirk. Uh, Yeah, I just got to see X and this and another Ty West movie over the past couple weeks, and I'm falling in love with this guy. Um, He is just so much fun as a director. He he reminds me, he he has a real Tarantino feel to me where he he just loves movies, and he takes that passion for what he loves, and he puts that into what he's making, and he kind of recreates the things he loves, but puts his own spin on it. You know, like X was like his Texas Chainsaw, and Pearl is this like old Hollywood Technicolor horror movie, and it's just so great how he blends those two things, and you know, it has like the the vibrant colors and the big sprawling you know title card and everything, um, so it has that feel all through it. But at the same time, it's it's got this really cool irony to it because you the opening scene, it opens on that farmhouse and it's the, it's the, the same farmhouse from X. So, you know, she's not going anywhere. She has all these dreams, I think, and you know where she's going to end up. It just makes her character so much tragic and so much harder to watch. Um, but I think the movie puts a, like, I want to go back and rewatch X now. I haven't seen this because I think it just adds so much context to that story. Um, and yeah, Mia Goth is just mind blowing to this. Just, she was good in X, but she is just, a whole other level here so and i just love the fact that they like wrote this together while they were making x like it's just such a cool little thing um so yeah this is this is a great pick i love this movie that is fair yeah uh i should probably watch this uh now we go over to kirk kirk okay um i'll talk about my favorite movie of the year and i think this is a safe space to do that um it was uh babylon uh, I know it was a very divisive film, uh, but I loved it. Um, every time I go to the movie, like people give me a hard time. It's like, oh, Kirk, you hate movies. I go to every movie optimistic. 
and there's a way I want to feel. Like I'm just hoping and praying when I sit down when this movie's over. There's a very specific feeling I want to have. Very rarely do I get it. Ba- Babylon gave me that exact feeling. Um, it just when you, when you guys talked about with Fablemans how that just re, you know made you feel all your love you know your your love for movies for filmmaking. That's what this movie did, and I love the way it does it because this, it balances just like jadedness and optimism. Like it shows you the lowest lows that you know Hollywood and filmmaking can 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 drag a person down to, but you also see that end result, and you see that you know maybe it's all worth it. That scene that in in the first act where they they're they're filming the movie and everything's going wrong and you know it's just a, a complete disaster, but they get that perfect final shot and you just see the look on everybody's faces and like everybody was like angry and mad and you know scared or whatever. And that just all melts away when they get that final perfect shot. Um, and I think that's just basically what this whole movie is. Um, you know, and again, a, a lot of people say, you know, oh, it's just a, you know, a retelling of uh, Singing in the Rain. But okay, what's wrong with that? Um, I think that's a great story. Just that idea of, you know, going from silent movies to talkies and putting that like incredible amount of realism into that, like how people, you know, almost, I mean, I would. Maybe it's not realism because it's it's kind of anachronistic the way they talk and the way they act. Um, it's much more modern, but that just like like genuine reactions and genuine feelings towards all that. Um, I think that all the performances are great. Um, it bums me out Margot Robbie didn't get nominated for this because I think she's fantastic in it. Uh, Brad Pitt's great. I love his character and his arc. Um, I, I forget the, the the third actor, his name. Diego Calva. Yeah, um, but he's really good. I think he really holds the whole thing together. Um, just a great movie. One of my favorite movies about making movies. Um, and, you know, the ending, I think a lot of people have kind of like crapped on the ending too, but I love that ending. Just again, it's a, it's ultimately, and there's a lot of all the gross stuff and the body fluids and everything. Ultimately it's a visceral movie and you either connect to it on a visceral level or you don't. But at the same time, if you claim to love movies and there's nothing, you don't find anything in this movie to cling to, then how much do you love movies? Let's be real. Uh, yeah, I I think the thing about Babylon for me was that it was a movie where there are so many things about this movie that on paper, I should not really like this movie, or I at least should hate certain parts of this movie. But the stuff that worked, worked so well that it got me through the things that did not. Like even the opening party scene, which is... If I'm being honest, probably my least favorite stretch of the movie. I understand that for some people that's like their favorite stretch of the movie, and I completely understand. It's just it's the segment stretch of the movie that is the least for me, I feel like. But even then, there are great ways they introduce characters. There's a incredible cinematography. Robbie is great in this whole movie. Um, and then, yeah, I think then the sequence that immediately follows that opening 40 minutes is just like, that was when I was like, wait a minute, I'm loving this. Like, just the chaos of just a day of shooting on a silent film. And it, it, you know, I, it made me actually want to go back and watch a lot of those, like, that era of silent epics, because I think just knowing the chaos going on behind the scenes of a lot of like I, I watched Intolerance and it was kind of funny watching that with like the mindset of all this going on. And so yeah, um Robbie's great. Pitt fits 
eerily well into the 1920s. Like it is, I you know, I watched Zodiac the other day, and I was remarking how well uh, Ruffalo fits into the 70s. Pitt fits eerily well into the 20s. Like I think, had he been around in the 1920s, he would have been a silent film star. He's just one of those guys that's like, yep, no, that makes sense. Robbie's great the whole way through. Uh, and Diego Calva, I also don't think it's enough credit because his transformation throughout the movie is really good. The whole movie's fantastic. Really loved it. And that score, woof, excellent. Uh, Payson, thoughts on Babylon? I have listened to Voodoo Mama while I, while I drive in my car every day since I have seen this movie. I love this movie. Uh, yeah, like Kirk says, this movie is a lot. It's big. It's not something that we usually see too much nowadays. And for that reason, I just don't see how you can't at least appreciate what Damien Chazelle is doing. Um, yeah, like you said, Bo, with that opening party scene, I enjoyed it. I didn't quite love it. But the second you hit that first day of production with the director, Ruth, who is maybe like the unsung hero, unsung hero character of this movie. I, I forget the actress that plays her, but I absolutely love her. But just Robbie just killing it on camera while Calva's character is just driving around, just trying to get this um, set. And then just how it uses the introduction of sound is essentially this movie's little Bill killing himself on New Year's Eve, where the second sound is introduced, everything just uh, goes downhill for all these characters. My favorite scene of the movie is where they are first trying to shoot a scene with sound and how they cannot get it right because if one thing messes up, the entire thing is screwed. And I'm not going to spoil how that scene ends, but I just think it's incredible. Yeah, just the production design. Uh, I, I think Diego Calva is honestly my favorite character I think in this movie, uh, or favorite performance in this movie. I think Manny is excellent. Um, I know the ending isn't going to work for some people. It absolutely worked for me. If Damien Chazelle does a director's cut, I want a 25-minute version of that ending, just going through more and more stuff. And without spoiling it, the movie that he decides to end that montage on had me dying of ironic slash non-ironic laughter for circumstances. That is, that is fair. Uh, Jack? This movie rules. Uh, it's, it's my fifth favorite of the year. Uh, that opening party sequence did work for me overall. Uh, but uh, it's the, like Payson and you said, it's the scene that follows the whole first day of production is without question my favorite sequence from this movie. Uh, everything from Robbie uh, in this uh, silent film to Brad Pitt getting drunk in his tent uh, while Diego Calva just busts his ass all over LA and this product and this film set trying to get the camera, trying to get uh, make sure everything works and the, the thing that i it, it's one scene uh one moment in this that i really love is when uh the camera is uh you're, you're at the top of the hill with brad pitt and i i i think the director and someone else and uh in the background you just see these like hundreds of extras chasing manny uh in the field at the bottom of the hill 
uh, while Brad Pitt and everyone else just have no clue what's going on behind them. And then when uh, Manny corrals them with the gun and the, uh, I think a horse, uh, he's riding a horse and Brad Pitt looks, he's like, Manuel, or he's like, love Manuel or Manuel's awesome or something like that. I, I was just dying laughing in the theater. Uh, it was, it, it's Brad Pitt's so fun in this role, but yeah, no, Calva's my favorite performance without question. Robbie's also great, but man, I love Calva in this film. I'm really upset it didn't get more love at the Oscars, but oh well. I also uh, want to quickly shout out Tobey Maguire, who is maybe going to oh. be a performance of his career. In so movie. good. So okay. Good. That just straight up becomes a horror movie for 10 minutes. That's <laughs> incredible. Uh, yeah. It's it's the, it's the Boogie Nights Alfred yeah. Bowling machine. Yeah. Yeah. To 11. To 11. Yeah. It, it's yeah. a complete ripoff of that scene. I don't yeah. care. That scene's awesome. Yeah. More movies should rip off that scene. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest scenes ever. And more movies should just be like almost about to end. Yeah. And then just throw something completely unrelated in and make yeah. that like a 20 minute subplot of the movie. Yeah. Like this is, the movie's going to be about this for a while. Just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Just a complete detour of like, yeah. this movie, we're just going to make our own little short film within the movie, mm -hmm. and you're going to enjoy it. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Uh, we're going back over to me, uh, and I'm going with, I. you know what? I don't know. I've, I don't think I ever got to talk about this movie on Logbit, so I'm going to bring up Glass Onion. Uh, Glass Onion, I I really enjoy it. I know not everyone quite loved it as much as I did. I I really liked it, and I liked it even more on rewatch because um, there were little things I didn't notice the first time uh, that I noticed. Um, I, I won't talk about spoilers here, uh, but I, I'm just going to talk about general performances. Edward Norton, I think, is giving a... I, I love it when Edward Norton does comedy. He's really, really good at it. He's very funny here. Kate Hudson, I appreciate that performance way more the second time around. Dave Bautista is just proving to be one of the more interesting actors working today. Not necessarily like one of the all-time best actors working right now, but I maybe the most interesting in the fact that like everything he picks, it's like, hmm, that's I would not expect this performance from you. And I, I just think it is this is such an interesting role for him, and he's really good in it. Um, I think Blanc is better in this one than he was in the last one. He gets Craig gets a whole lot more to do with this character. I think we learn a whole lot more about this character. Um, I I love Blanc's just... We get, actually get to see Blanc get mad, which we don't get in Knives Out. We don't get... We rarely get any emotion out of Blanc, really. Like, except towards the end in Knives Out. In Glass Onion, we get, like, exasperated Blanc. We get so many different emotions out of this guy. But the standout performance for me, the performance that I'm a little upset wasn't nominated, because uh, she's my Best Supporting Actress winner, is Janelle Monet. I think she is phenomenal in this movie. But yeah, uh, fantastic production design on point. Really liked it. Uh, Kirk, what were your thoughts on this movie? Uh, there are some positives. Um, I think the mystery is a lot of fun. I think I just, just playing in the sandbox with this character is always enjoyable. 
and I just like those kind of movies. Um, but what killed it for me, and I talked about this in my review, like just the completely on the nose 2020, 2021 Twitter speak and just like the over like, like, hey, COVID and this and that. Like, I think there are movies like, I don't think anybody's going to talk about these today, but like there are movies I watched like Kimmy and Vengeance who kind of like did that, but in a much more like subtle way. Not just like, hey, look how ripped from the headlines our movie is. Um, I that and the more I think about that, the more it kind of ruins this movie for me. Um, and the I don't want to spoil the ending, but like, there's a very obvious reason Ryan Johnson made this movie, and he didn't have to make a two-hour and twenty-minute movie to, to to achieve that goal. There's much easier ways to do that. And the what they want to make the 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 villain, the way they want to portray him, and they how they do that. The 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 killer has to be a certain thing, a certain type of person, and for that person to fool Benoit Blanc, they have to have Benoit Blanc jump through some really stupid hoops if that makes sense and I think they it's a disservice to the character what they do with him in order to be able to make that the the villain what he is and again if you haven't seen the movie this makes no sense but does it make sense to you guys do you understand what I'm saying what I'm talking about yeah well I understand what you're saying I don't want to talk about it on the call but after after the calls over there's something I want to bring up to you Kirk because I also noted this in your review Okay. And there's something that I, I will, after the call, I want to bring up to you because I, it's something that has to do with when this movie was written. Because this movie was written before a lot of the things that I feel like you think this movie was referencing happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the movie is actually Ryan Johnson. I'll, I'll just say Ryan Johnson has said Edward Norton is not supposed to be Elon Musk. And, and so I, and you can choose whether or not to believe him, mm-hmm. but I mean, Ryan Johnson has said that and people just assume that. I feel like because he had been in the headlines so much recently. I think. Well, I mean, well, yeah, we could have. I think there's a couple different people he is, he he could represent, but I think there's yeah. yeah. Johnson has said Zuckerberg. That's the person. Yeah, that's that's to. that's a yeah very yeah. And that like looking at it makes a lot more sense, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, Payson, thoughts on uh, Glass Onion? I loved Glass Onion. I am of the um, uh, this is one of my top ten favorite movies of the year. I am of the camp that I I think Glass Onion superior to Knives Out. I think this is I I think it takes everything that Knives Out does and just builds upon it in such a fun way. I'm not going to get super into the characters, but I think Monet Hudson and Batista were the standouts of the side characters for me. Uh, like you said, Dave Batista is just becoming one of the most interesting people in Hollywood to watch. Um, I, this isn't controversial. Bar none, the best wrestler turned actor. I think we can all universally agree. And just how like humble of a guy he seems about his circumstance, I think is excellent. Uh, yeah, I love Daniel Craig as Benoit um, slowly unraveling this mystery. I have things I disagree with about what Kirk was saying, but I can't really get into them on call, but I understand kind of 
what he was feeling. And yeah, just there were just little like this isn't a spoiler, but just <laughs> oh, that's Daryl. He's going through some stuff. It just hits. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, but that guy just really made me laugh. And what's so funny is that played by Noah Segan, who I did not realize until somebody mentioned this on Twitter. It is the exact same guy who plays uh, Trooper Elliot or Trooper Wagner in the first Knives Out movie. Completely different character. (laughs) So shout out to, as as Garth said, Shout out to Noah Segan, because he's great. Uh, Jack? Yeah, every time Daryl shows up, I can't help but laugh. No, I really do enjoy this movie quite a bit. I've seen it three times now. Uh, last time I saw it was with my Nana, and uh, oof, uh, she didn't have a good time with this movie. Uh, but <laughs> uh, for the for the most part... Uh, well, she didn't have a great time with this movie for the most part, but I did. It's I love Janelle Monet's performance more and more on every rewatch. She's like pretty much cemented herself as my best supporting actress winner of the year. Uh, really pissed she wasn't nominated, but whatever. Uh, no, great, great, great film, great pick. That is fair. Uh, well, Payson, back over to you. Yeah, so we have my favorite movie on this list. We have my third favorite movie on this list. I'm going to skip over my second favorite because I really want to talk about my fourth favorite. Uh, My fourth favorite, the movie I'm picking is 3,000 Years of Longing. Uh, This is a movie that I admit no, very few people are going to love as much as me. And I think that's just this movie tackles so many things that I love about movies. Uh, In case people didn't know, uh, Tilda Swinton plays a mythology professor who is visiting a different country. She finds a a mysterious bottle. She rubs it, out pops Idris Elba. He's a genie. And uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to give you some wishes. And she's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to wish. And half of this movie is them in the hotel discussing what she thinks she wants and how she views the world. And the other half is going into different stories and different points of Idris Elba's life as a genie and how he has affected different people. Um, And just the way how both those stories mix, I absolutely love. I think Elba and Swinton have great chemistry as actors. I think each story we go to is just as insane as the last one and just kept me so, so invested um, I think the major message this movie has at the end about how uh, about how strong like connections with others can be uh, really hit me. Um, yeah, I, I, I admit most people aren't going to love this one as much as me, but it, it, this is one of my top five favorite movies of the year, and, and it stuck with me since I saw it back in back in August. I'd be lying if I said I love 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 this. That's movie. but I. I did really like it, and I would say it's, I think it's one of the most interesting movies of last year. Much like I said about Dave Bautista, I I feel like this movie is just making a lot of really creative, interesting choices. Whether or not they all worked for me was is honestly kind of irrelevant because I think this movie is kind of exactly what it's supposed to be, and it just I didn't necessarily love all of what it's supposed to be, but I, I respected it all the way through. Uh, Jack? I haven't seen this one yet. I've uh, heard pretty mixed things about it, but more positive than negative. Uh, and 
for the most part, I don't hate George Miller uh, as a director. Uh, uh, aside from you know Happy Feet, but you know uh, that barely, barely, uh, barely thing. Uh, no, I want to check it out. I just haven't gotten around to it. Okay. And Kirk, I think I'm closer to where you're at, Boatman. Like I love the big swings it's taken. I respect it. There's a lot of stuff about it I like. Um, and I've complained, like you know, I'm in chats. I think with all you guys, where I've complained about how long movies were getting this year. Um, but this is one of the few movies where I wish it was like a half hour, 45 minutes longer and either went deeper into the like his stories or had more of that, um, because I think that's where the movie is the strongest, most interesting. Um, I kind of check out at the end where it like moves into like modern times and, and the story focuses more on these two characters. Um, I don't that, that's the weakest part of the movie for me. Um, but yeah, I didn't love it, but I appreciated I, I liked it. And I appreciated everything it was trying to do. And visually fantastic. Some of the effects oh, yeah. and, the, and the creature and character design, awesome. Top notch. Especially for the budget it was made, like yeah. the fact that it looks this good, like mm -hmm. yeah. And I and I love Tilda Swinton's character. I just love the idea of giving a genie to somebody who A doesn't really want anything and B is too smart to get sucked into the whole genie story. Like when she's like, every genie story is a cautionary tale. I'm not followed for this. And the genie has to like talk her to get any wishes. I think that's just a really cool take on it. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think George Miller, yeah, and probably more so, is made, like I was going to compare him to Robert Rodriguez in terms of like just very efficient, cost effective filmmakers, but I think Miller even. More so, because his movies just still look just fantastic. And you look at the budget, and it's like, how? Like, just one of the most, like, cost-effective filmmakers there is. Which is why I don't know this guy doesn't basically just get, like, to do whatever he wants, because his movies aren't that expensive. You'd think that the studio would just be fine handing him, like, however much he needs, because they know he's not going to waste it. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, now we go over to Jack. Um. Yeah, I'm debating here, but you know what? I think I'm gonna have to go with this one. Uh, it's the Banshees of Inisherin. I love this movie. Uh, <laughs> my dad was not as big a fan of it uh, when we watched it uh as a family uh but uh that was more my dad's call not not my call so it's not another bad choice to watch with family from jack uh but no i just want to say colin farrell if anyone and there are people that will disagree with me when i say if there's anyone not named brendan fraser that should be winning best actor this year it's call it's colin farrell he's incredible in this film uh and I don't know if it's just because I see, uh, like, there's moments where I see uh, some aspects of myself in uh, in his character, but uh, he just his performance hits so hard for me that you used to be nice. Scene is one of my three favorite scenes of the year where he just unleashes everything that uh he's holding in uh with colm uh at, at the bar just a painfully beautiful 
scene. Uh, that the moment uh, where uh, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but the w one of the w w without question the saddest moment of the movie uh, never fails to make me cry. Uh, Farrell's fantastic, Gleason's fantastic, Jogan's fantastic, and Condon is fantastic. I can't recommend this movie enough. I feel like the performances are some of the best I've seen in a long, long time, uh, especially from Farrell. And that screenplay is another masterpiece from Martin McDonough. I can see myself uh, revisiting this a lot. And between this and Bruges and Three Billboards, he just hasn't missed for me. Uh, I, I want to rewatch this again. <laughs> I've seen it twice already. That is fair. Uh, yeah, no, I I think this movie is so interesting in how it blends the comedy and drama, which McDonough is, of course, great at doing. Mm -hmm. But just the way it takes a premise that is inherently a little funny and a little ridiculous, because it's these two grown men in a very infant childish situation right he just says i don't want to be your friend anymore like it's it's the premise of like two first graders on a schoolyard but the dark lengths at which he changes it and takes it is incredibly fascinating um you know and if you look at some of his plays you look at the pillow man it's actually kind of interesting because pillow man is another thing where you have especially this one very innocent character, another intellectual character, and it takes these stories in a very dark direction, but has this idea that it's a more innocent thing at first. I think that McDonough is just great at that. movie looks great. Harry Condon's great. But I think Barry Keoghan is so good, so good in this movie. He is so, like, pathetic, but kind of charming and just... I, I think he's one of like I I'm I'm glad that we're starting to get like our new class of weird guy character actors as like Willem Dafoe and Steve Buscemi get older in age. It's nice to know that we will have someone to carry on that mantle for them long into like I I can totally see Barry Keoghan just working for the next fifty years, just consistently playing weird little guys. Like and the Peter the Peter Lorre trophy, you know, just keep passing that torch on down into the into the years. Uh, very happy about that, uh, Payson. I this is one of my favorite movies to talk with people about and hear how they view the relationship because I think it says so much about that person. Like this probably isn't going to be a big surprise when I was watching this movie. I hated the Brendan Gleeson character. I hated Calm. I identified so much with Podrick, and I felt so bad for this guy that just wants to talk, that just wants to be friends and just live a casual, happy life with his other friend. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, but I do understand why you would want to go on and do other things. But Podrick was always the person that I did um, identify with the most. I think Farrell is so good here. He's giving one of my favorite performances of the year. It's just this guy who is definitely not very smart, but he has a set of morals and just ideals that like he's so strong to and just clings so hard to. 
I think is great. Uh, the humor and the gr and the the br the brutal grotesque nature of it. Um, when, when it gets when it uh, wants to shock you, it does. Um, this is not a spoiler. That first time you see a finger cut off, oh man, you you wince. Like yeah. Um, and just how the movie goes, um, I think Carter Burwell's score on this is really, really great. Um, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. I think this is a great pick. Yeah, uh, Kirk? Um, yeah, this is probably going to land in my top five for the year. I think it's great. And like like you said, Boatman, I wanted to see this because of the cast, because of the director, um, because of the pedigree there. But just hearing the, 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 the premise, I'm like, that's kind of thin. Where are they going to go with this? And just the, 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 the exploration that it takes. And just that's, I, I love movies that just, I think that make me think about them for a long time after. And just that dichotomy and that like question of which one of these guys would you rather be? Like you have one guy who has like depths of soul and creativity and you know and, and you think like yeah that's that's the kind of you know an intelligence that's the person i want to be but you see how tortured he is and then you have the guy who's kind of just like who's not as bright who doesn't see the world the world is a lot smaller for him but he's so much happier and you're like oh that's guy's kind of stupid i want but then you see when he's exposed to the depth of this other guy's soul how like the downturn his entire life takes when he's you know the day before he's he's happy and everything's fine and my little life on this dumb little island is great and then but then when he's exposed to what this other guy's going through he's just devastated and i just i, I thought about that for days after i watched this movie i think that's that's so interesting um and just if it, it felt like a play in a good way like you know you're talking about his plays it felt like a play just that kind of character study and there's two like you know, there's two different types of people butting heads and which, which way do you want to go? But yeah, the cast is great. Um, Keegan's great. I think if, um, well, Kent won all the Oscars nominated for, but if it's like sweeps the, you know, the, everything it's, it's nominated for, I have no problem with that. Cause I think this is one of the best movies of the year with like four of the best performances of the year. No doubt. I think, I mean, Farrell's far and away my best actor. In this. Um, yeah, this fantastic movie. And it's great looking too, just the cinematography, the way it uses the geography, the way the, the has you know that has that looming war in the background. Um yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh you know, you brought up uh I, I wanna quickly bring up I what was I don't know. I forgot what I was gonna bring up, but there was something that I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I wanted to point that out. But I, I can't remember what I was going to bring up. So never mind. We'll just keep moving forward. Uh, so now, Kirk, we're over to you for your second pick. Um, with my second pick, I will go with what's probably my second favorite movie of the year so far. Um, out of everything I've seen, it's probably going to land at number two. Uh, and that is Tar. Um this is Kate Blanchett in this movie. I, th I think she's in the running for maybe best performance of the 21st century. Uh, a lot of people have compared this movie to a biopic. They thought she was a real character. I feel like I'm watching a documentary when I see this because that's how fully realized this character is. That opening scene where she's talking, like, there's nothing flashy about this. There's nothing like, you know, she's not acting, acting. She is just a completely real entity uh in this and just her talking about the music and then what the you know the, the physicality of watching her um you know actually conduct you know she learned how to do that she's doing that for real um 
just and getting a, a look into that world uh, is so great. And I love the way the movie, the movie just kind of, you're, you're a fly on the wall. You're just watching her life. And, you know, she's a certain type of person, but the movie's really not making, the movie's not saying feel this way about this character. The movie just showing you the experience of this character and the effects it's having. But it doesn't say like, you know, this is this kind of person. Here's, here's how you want to feel about this. Like it just, this is who she is. Um, and I love that. And like I said, I said in my review, like there's so much this movie is doing, but I am just so incredibly captivated by her um, in this, in this role that I, that's all I can think about when I think about this movie, because she's so good in it. Uh, far and away, obviously my, my, best actress winner for this i think this is should i know yo's in the in the running but i think this should be the absolute runaway of the, of the oscars i think she, no one is doing anything close no one's done anything close to this in a really long time um so yeah that based on almost solely on that performance this is one of my favorite movies of the year this is a movie i want to watch again because i'll i'll be honest I didn't understand the ending the first time i saw it and i didn't specifically i didn't understand the location of the ending. Um, and I want to watch it again now, understanding that. Because now that I understand what that location is, I like the idea of that ending way more now. Uh, and I want to watch it again. I will say, Tar has one of my favorite scenes, singular scenes of the year, which is that lecture scene, which is. It, it's a sneaky long take. I didn't even realize it was a long take when I saw it, but it's that scene is all in one take, and you don't even realize it, but it, it's all in one take, and I just love Tar. Just It's so fascinating, and maybe my favorite line delivery of the year about, what about Beethoven? Do you dig him? Like, oh, like the little hand movement. Blanchett is so good. Perhaps my favorite performance of the year. It's close. She's incredible. Uh, I would be to- I, I'd be fine if Yo wins. I I'm rooting for Blanchett. Uh, Payson, that's on Tar. Time doesn't start until I say so. No, yeah, this is my second favorite movie of the year. And if I'm being honest, if I were to throw the M word around at any movie that was released in 2022, this is the one that would get that. Um, I think this movie... that means masterpiece. Masterpiece, yes. I, I, I would say it's a masterpiece. Um, full, I, I don't want to out this person, but uh, there's someone that shares a name, a first name with someone on call here uh, that told me that they didn't think Kate Blanchett's performance in this movie is that special. And I think that person might be insane because I think the power she gives in this performance is like, it's genuinely reminiscent of what I feel like when I watch There Will Be Blood and I'm watching Day Lewis. Like, I just think this is such a powerhouse performance from Blanchette. And I think she is so good that she is off. She's, she's really taking, like, it, it makes me not notice at first how good the other elements are. Like, I think Todd Field's direction here is incredible. Just the way how he shoots these huge orchestral scenes and then just going into, like, the mind of of the character of Lydia Tarr by shooting the scenes in her house, like so up close. Um, Like most great movies, it deals with really difficult topics, but it doesn't tell you how to feel. And just the way this movie wraps up and concludes, I just love. That is completely fair. Uh, Jack. 
Yeah. Uh, I saw this movie in the theater and uh, about half the crowd that I was watching it with decided to leave before the movie was over, which was weird, but this was a phenomenal film. Uh, Blanchett, it, this movie, here, there's certain movies that just don't work if uh, its lead cast member isn't part of it, and that's absolutely the case with Blanchett here, uh, specifically because Todd Field, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe wrote this role specifically for Blanchett, uh, and which you can tell, and that she's giving arguably my favorite performance of her career, and that's saying a lot because I think her performance in Carol is incredible. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's fair. Uh, yeah, no, it's a movie that I want to revisit, but it's got quite a runtime, and I haven't been able to find some uh, time for other movies that I love, like The Fablemans. Uh, so I haven't gotten back around to it yet, but I'm glad I saw it, and it's incredible that is fair uh well now we go over we've got two spots left jack you want to make uh one more pick uh sure yeah um let me just open my list back up yeah uh i i, I think i'm gonna go with this one uh there's uh very few movies uh, that have won Best Picture and get a remake uh, honestly feel uh, well. We feel uh, kind of necessary. Like West Side Story, I really uh, enjoyed, and I agree. Uh, and I feel like that uh, was a remake that improved greatly upon uh, the original in some aspects. We've got another one this year with All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, I love this movie so much it's without question one of if not the most brutal film like brutal war film i've seen uh it's a truly harrowing experience uh felix Kammerer, i believe his name is uh who plays paul gives a hell of a performance in this i don't know who plays uh cat uh like kaczynski or whatever uh his buddy's name is uh, but he gives a, a great performance. It's there's a choice that's made in this that uh, isn't in the uh, 1930 original movie uh, that I don't uh, that I wasn't really sure how I felt at, about at first because uh, you do sacrifice uh, possibly my favorite moment from the original with uh, when he goes home and he has the speech in front of his class and. Uh, but it has a, it, it, it really does, uh, like it, it, it didn't bother me at the end of the day. Cause that the turn this movie takes and that those final 15 minutes are just some of the most heartbreaking final moments in a film I've ever seen. Uh, I can't count, uh, that, uh, the, I can't count the number of times you've seen a tank in this movie. This isn't the same scene I'm talking about. I'm just jumping around at this point. Uh, I can't count the number of times I've seen a tank in a war film, but this one makes it feel apocalyptic. Uh, like the the second the tanks show up in that sequence, you 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 just get chills. Uh, it's a truly brutal and harrowing film, but I can't 
say a single negative thing about it. I loved it, and that final sequence is just... It's heartbreaking. But Aaron, uh, Yeah, no, this is a really good movie. Uh, I saw it around the time I got the Best Picture nomination, and yeah, just the way it's filmed feels haunting, and yeah, just everything Jack said. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really great movie. Kirk? Um, yeah, I've seen it. Um, I just watched it a couple weeks ago. I liked it. Um, I know what... I had the same feeling Jack did. Like I was surprised by that choice that was made, and especially because something set up at the beginning, and I was like, and that that is my favorite part that he's referring to too. So, the not having that was different, but I the, the I think it was a good choice to be made. Um, and I like how you know Jack talking about those tanks because what people don't think about with World War One is um, so much of that technology was new. You know, like the the, the blow torches and the chemical warfare, the tanks, um, and to you know, for, just to be a, a 17, 18 year old kid and have that stuff coming at you, when you have no frame of reference for that, it had to be just horrifying. And I think this movie captures that really well. Um, it does a lot. There is some stuff, um, you know, with Saving Private Ryan, nineteen seventeen. There's some stuff like oh, I've seen this. Not necessarily even better. I've just seen it before. Um, but it does have some original, you know, the, the takes on some of those war scenes. So, um, no, Saul, I think it's a good uh, best picture nomination. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I like this movie. I, it's a, di- it serves a different purpose than the original. So I can, I, I can justify its existence based on that. At the same time, I do not see myself watching this again when I could watch the original because I think the original is so much more intellectual and has a lot, I think, says what it's trying to say in a better way. And I think specifically there's a scene in the original involving the main character going back to his school that is, I don't think there's anything in this version that hits that same note. And I think that's the note you need to hit. But this one still, technically, it's fantastic. I just, I was left a little colder than I was with the original. But still, technically, great. Um, And Pacey, you already talked about this, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Kirk, take us home. Last pick. Oh, you're muted. You're my mistake, sorry. Um, yeah, I talked about two movies that are pretty heavy, um, but there was one movie that was a lot more lighthearted uh, that I love this year, um, and that was Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Um, this movie was just so. Um, I went. Into, I, I heard a lot of good things about it, and I was like, I'll go see it. I didn't think I was gonna love it, um, but I took my whole family, and we all just completely fell in love with it um it's about with no explanation given this sentient little seashell um that lives in this uh i think it's like an airbnb type house and um with its with this grandmother who is also a uh, sentient seashell and they've been separated from the rest of the objects that they live with and uh, it just is such a touching movie um it's it, it could very easily have been just one of those things where it's like too cartoony and too sweet. Um, but you just connect with this character. Um, and it just has like this, like 
it's like this Ted Lasso kind of positivity to it, where no matter what happens, you know, whatever hardships it's facing, it just like has like this great attitude, and you know, it just and then the, the story expands and it becomes, you know, it's on TV and everything, and it's it's story because it's trying to find all these other uh, uh, creatures that it lost, uh, that that he lost, um, uh, and it just just a great story. Uh, Jenny Slate voices Marcel. Um, I'm blank on the actress's name who does the grandmother. Um, Isabella Rosalini um, does the grandmother, and she's so good. And their relationship is so sweet, and there's just so many mo like funny moments. Just the uh, the, the comedic timing uh, that Jenny Slate has with you know she just so it's adorable, but it's also really funny. And um, yeah, I just loved it. Uh, I just it was just it was like the feel good movie of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I know this is not the kind of movie. And I told people how much I love this. I, I, people were surprised, um, but yeah, it's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, check it out. That is fair. Um, yeah, I still haven't seen this one yet. I've I've heard it's like a, a little syrupy sweet, but I, I can handle syrupy sweet, so I, I might watch this anyway. It is, but it's not there there's something behind it. It's not just syrupy sweet. Like That's there's fair. character and story behind that. That's fair. Uh Payson, thoughts on this one. Yeah, one of the best surprises I had this year was going on Letterbox and seeing that Kirk just loved this movie just because it seems like such a non-Kirk movie and I was like oh but I think it just shows you how how heartwarming this movie is just the, the first like 20 minutes you're just watching Marcel and how he lives his life in his house and just like this is my bread rest it's a bed but it's bread I think it's just so sweet and just the relationship he has with his grandmother um when Marcel, when when you you saw this in trailers, but when Marcel first goes out, um, goes out of his house and um, he's with the documentarian who's filming it, and the documentarian just asks Marcel, "So what do you think?" And Marcel's like, "I, I didn't know the world was so big," and he genuinely feels scared because he thought his whole house was what the world was. No, this is this is such a heartwarming movie. That's fair, Jack. Have you seen this? No, I haven't, but hearing all of you talk about it really makes me excited to see it. I just, once again, haven't had the time. It didn't come to theaters near me, so, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so, with that, we've just got the movie of the month left, which this month uh, we've decided to go a little bit different. Choose a romantic comedy uh, since it's February and since we only had two weeks of the show for this month. Uh, we went with About Time which is uh, a delightful film. I'll, I'll start talking about this first. I, I've seen this movie three times and I love it each more every, I love it a little more every time I see it. Like just, as someone who personally like deals a lot with overthinking and second guessing and sometimes wishes that I could go back to those little moments and change all my new thing. I think this movie has a lot of really interesting and frankly comforting things to say about that and I, I really like that about this movie Bill Nye like he is so good in this movie he's really everyone's good in this movie Bill Nye specifically um yeah music's great too I didn't remember how good like the score and the songs are in this but they're fantastic too also a Ben Fold song is in this so that's always Heck yeah, to Ben Folds. Ben Folds makes everything better. But yeah, uh, Payson, what do you think about this movie? 
Yeah, I watched this movie uh, less than a month ago, and I loved this movie. Um, I think, I think one of the most valuable things this movie does is have the first setup setup situation with Margot Robbie's character to essentially show that you can't keep time traveling back and make someone who doesn't love you fall in love with you because. When I, when I heard the concept of this movie, I was initially a little turned off because I thought this could get a little creepy. And I think that scene just sort of takes out the creepy nature of it. Um, yeah, Rachel McAdams is so good in this movie. You completely get why Donald Lisa's character would fall head over heels for her. Just all the things he has to do in order to make this situation work. Um, but yeah, as great as a romantic comedy this movie is... The best thing this is, is a great father and son movie. I love the connection that Gleason and Nagy have together. And Bill Nye is just such a great dad in this movie. And I love how his character, when, his, when Gleason just asks, so what do you use your time travel ability to do? And he's like, well, I've just read a million books. And I'm like, that's a way to live your life. Just keep time traveling back. Just read as many books as you can. Yeah, I this movie really, really hit me. And it, 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 by the end, it it made me emotional. Do you know how much my, I, my letterbox would turn into uh, King of Pillows. <laughs> movies. <laughs> how many, it would be like I was watching them all on four times speed. <laughs> I would log everything in one day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Jack, thoughts on about time. So it's been a minute since I've rewatched this movie, and next I didn't have next weeks, right? Pardon? You're gonna be on next week's episode, right? Or are you not? Not to my knowledge. Oh, uh, it's on. Are you on next week? Somebody here is on next. I was supposed week. to. I, I'm, I'm not. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Forgive. Forget what I said, Jack. Yeah. So it's been a minute since I've seen the movie and I didn't have an opportunity to rewatch it before the show, but I do really enjoy this film. I think uh, Gleason's great. Uh, Rachel McAdams. I mean, who wouldn't fall head over heels uh, in love with Rachel McAdams in any, anything. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, uh, and obviously Bill Nye is great. I love him in everything. And uh, but this is no different. So yeah. Uh, a really, really fun uh, rom-com. That is completely fair. Uh, Kirk? Yeah, I love this movie. Um, this is a movie me and Kathy uh, watched together, and we both like completely fell in love with it. That does not happen often. Uh, we watched it a couple weeks ago. We showed our to our daughter. She loved it. Um, yeah, the thing with rom-coms, I'm realizing, and again, like I said, top of the show, it's not my genre. But what makes a good rom-com for me is a great supporting cast. And when you have pe characters that feel like real people, and it's funny because we talked about Free and Sarah Marshall. That's one of the things I love about that movie is how all those characters feel real. And same thing with this movie. I think that's something Richard Curtis does well. Uh, even his movies that I don't like, I think he does uh, have like that. I th Those characters who are like, like so many of these rom-coms, you have like the stereotypical best friend, you know, or the, you know, the, the, the whatever, you know, the, the parents who are like the overbearing parents, whatever. But these are like all such great characters. Like you said, Bill Nye, he's so good. Um, 
his sister and his relationship with his sister, his friends. Tom Hollander's maybe my favorite part of the movie. So funny in this and so just just so relatable. Um, Uncle Dudley. I love Uncle Dudley so much. Like he really you don't need that character in the movie, but like he brings so much to it. Um and just just that the whole relate like you want to be part of this family. Like you want their life. Um and you just love you just want to like you want a hug from everybody in this movie. Um, as far as the time travel goes, like I know, like people talk about, like how it's creepy. I don't see that because I think there's, and Payson, you know, talked about this. There's such a real connection between these two characters. I never feel there's any manipulation with the time travel. It's mostly just like tweak things, and you know, I think that's kind of just you know, just like how can we make this just a little bit better? And that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when the after during the wedding when the dad's like, I wish I would have said I loved you. And you know he's like you don't. Have, and he goes back and he and he redoes his speech. And he says he lo- how he loves Dudley. And then when you find out the dad's sick, he's like Dudley talks about that. It's like that's the best day of my life. So just how like little things like that, little changes can have such a huge impact on people. Um, and yeah, just everything it has to say about just living. Like how he says, you know, my extraordinary ordinary life. Um, that's just such a just a beautiful sentiment. And um, I just love his. Uh, like you know, like I said, all the relationships in this movie, and you know, his the father son stuff, the stuff between him and Andrew McAdams, his friends. Um, I love the scene where he's like, he does he does the best man speech over and over again, trying to get the best one. Um, but yeah, it's it's so it's it's such a lovely movie. I love it so much. It's so good. I talk about it all day. Yeah, it is delightful. But with that, uh, that does end our show tonight. Oh, ratings quickly, Payson. Four and a half out of five. Uh, Kirk? Four and a half. And Jack? Four and a half. And I'm a five. Anyway, uh, that concludes our show. Next week is uh, Actors Turn Directors. Uh, after that, it's Meta Movies. After that, it's Crime Gone Wrong. And then it is Action Heroes. So if you want to be on any of those, shoot myself or Timber Call on a message or comment on the Facebook post. Other than that, this has been an excellent uh, return to form. Thank you to all my guests, Payson, Jack and Kirk for being on. Thank you to everyone for watching. I will see we will see you all later. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening.